All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 33. I'm thrilled to see visitors back tonight. We love it when you come back on Sunday night because I believe this is the best service of the whole week is Sunday night. I just don't know why. I guess people are awake and ready and uh, they prepared their heart more or something. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't know, but I just appreciate Sunday night so very much. I'm glad we're not one of those churches that we just have one service a week. You know, the praise team just practices and practices so much that they only have one time that they want to perform or give their worship service, and then the rest of the week we just don't go. Somebody said, well, I don't see in the Bible where it says you have to come back on Sunday night and Wednesday. I don't either, but I know we get to come back on Sunday night and Wednesday. Amen? That's a blessing, and thank God for the, the Lord's presence this morning. And I was going to preach on the funeral uh, sermon uh, for America, and I'm just going to touch on that and get to the hope of America, because... I, I listened to myself preach this morning, and I think I, I, I just about hung dry every sin in America, you know, and, and I don't apologize for it. I don't apologize a bit. I, I never apologize for preaching against sin, because sin will hurt you a lot, long, a lot more than you think it will. It'll keep you a lot longer, and it'll cost you a lot more than you ever thought it would. So as long as God gives me breath, I want to warn you not to delve into sin, because sin will wreck your life. Amen? And it's wrecking America. Psalms 33, we're going to read the entire chapter. It's only 22 verses, and I hope you'll get a blessing out of reading, just reading this chapter. And we'll just preach a little while, and I hope it'll be a blessing to your heart. If I had a title for this message, I think I'd, I'd title it what verse 12 says, and that's, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Did you hear me now? Did you hear the word? It says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Not a Lord, but the Lord. And if He's not the Lord of your life, then you're not happy. You won't ever be happy. Your marriage won't make it, probably. Uh, your children won't turn out right. And uh, there'll be misery and pain and agony the rest of your life until you learn that with God, blessed is the nation or the individual or the family whose God is the Lord. So let's stand and read this entire chapter. Let's read it responsibly, amen? I like to do that sometimes, where you read one verse, I read one verse. It just keeps you awake, amen? Hey, I just uh, thank you for waving that flag uh, there, buddy. Uh, thank God for all the um, uh, junior campers, amen? We had three of them go, and I want to give them a chance to come up here and give a word of testimony or sing or whatever they want to do. Y'all don't want to? Okay, I just gave you a chance, praise God. And uh, they had a great time. I appreciate the parents having enough courage to leave their kids at Sand Mountain for an entire week. They've been smiling ever since. Well, not really. And uh, it's, it's a blessing, a blessing. I appreciate the three that went. Praise God for them. It says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Class, praise You like that? Amen. Praise God. Sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. He getteth the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depths in the storehouses. 
For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, and the thoughts of his hearts to all generations. The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. He fashions their hearts alike, he considereth all their works. A horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. to deliver their souls from, the, from death, and to keep them alive in famine. For our heart shall rejoice in Him, because we have trusted in His holy name. Now, wasn't that a blessing? Just to read the Word of God. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank You for our nation. God, we pray that you'd bless our nation once again. Lord, as one, someone said, I believe it was Woodrow Wilson, said that what he trembled about was that God is just and that his justice will not always sleep. Lord, have mercy. Please have mercy upon our families, our homes, our children. God, help us, Lord, to realize that we, your people, can have revival in the midst of of the darkness of this age, that we can have peace in the midst of the storm, and that we can trust in you when so many things are falling apart in this corrupt, wicked society. Lord, thank you that you called us not to be discouraged and give up, rend our hands and forget it, but God, to be a light and to be the salt and be a testimony of your goodness. Lord, I thank you for what you did in the beginning of this nation. How, dear God, you planted this nation. You moved upon the pilgrims. You moved upon Christopher Columbus. You moved upon the Revolutionary War and the Declaration of Independence. And all that you did in our history thrills our soul. But God, now we must blush from the sin. And we must be burdened. And we're heartbroken that we've went away from you and we've turned our back on you. God, help us. Help us to come back to you. Lord, may we have another great awakening in America. Lord, I pray for revival for my heart, for this church, before it's too late. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when I think of America, more than 1.6 million babies are murdered by abortion every year. 1.6 million. I also think about the 1.5 million families um, waiting to adopt children. When I think about America, I think of the thousands of homosexuals who demonstrate openly in our streets on Gay Pride Day and every other day when we try to appoint or elect a conservative, they hit the streets and burn half a city block. 
When I think of America, I think about a nation with the highest divorce rate in the world. Approximately half of all Americans, their marriages don't work. That's just a statistic. It's a little higher in Dalton. When I think about America, I think about 3,500 churches closing their doors every year. 3,500. Sometimes I complain about low attendance. I'm just glad we have attendance. When I think about America, I think about the nation where nearly three out of four convicted criminals are not incarcerated because there's too many prisoners for the jail. Brother um, Larry reminded me the other day about the little jail I used to preach in, about 125 or so was in that jail, and now they have 455, 500 and something, and it's packed, and there's no room. And that looks like a doggone penitentiary up there. It looks like a penitentiary. I've never seen such a big prison for such a little town. And it's packed. It's full. The fastest growing industry in Georgia is building prisons. They're in Claxton. They're in little towns like Glenville and Baxley and all those little podunk hollow places that I came from. And they're just, the main industry is building prisons. Something's wrong. We've got to get a hold of ourselves. When I think of America, I think about a, a seven-year period, more Americans died from drug uh, reaction, reactions and overdose than died in the Battle of the Persian Gulf War, the Vietnam War, the Spanish-American War, and the Mexican War, the War of 1812, and the Revolutionary War combined. In a seven-year period, more people died from overdose of drugs than all those wars put together. I believe that's the real enemy, or one of them. When I think about America, I think about 70% of Americans who don't believe in absolutes. They just don't believe there's Ten Commandments. They call them Ten Suggestions. When I think about America, I think about 270,000 students who carry guns to school every day. When I think about America, I think about how every 64 seconds a baby is born to a teenage mother. Every 64 seconds in America. When I think about America... I think about 258 million residents and 181 billion of which are unchurched. 181 million people did not even go to church today. When I think about America, I think about how the rate of violent crime is higher than that of any other industrialized nation. When I think about America, I think of a nation where separation and divorce will disrupt the lives of over 1 million children this year. If you don't think it's a trauma, you live through it. And when I think about America, I think of a nation where one criminal offense occurs every two seconds, where one violent crime occurs every 16 seconds, and where a violent act of murder occurs every 21 minutes. When I think about America, I think about the average American who works two hours and 46 minutes out of every eight-hour workday to pay his taxes. Don't get me started on that. We'll get political. Folks, when I think about America... I think about a nation where of juveniles that are arrested for homicide eight times more than adults. When I think about America, I think about how every five minutes a baby is born to a teenage mother who already has at least one child. When I think about America, I think about five million people who will be victims of violent crimes this year. When I think about America, I think about a nation where 400,000 teenage pregnancies end in abortion each year. 400,000. 
And I'm going to give you one more because this is depressing me. I know it is you. And we're supposed to be having fun tonight. But I'm burdened. And if you don't get burdened, you won't do nothing about it. A burden will, will give you a call. Or a call will help you carry out your burden. And we're all called to be witnesses. And when I think about America, I think about a nation that lost a total of 1,160,581 lives in the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War I, World War II, Korean War, and Vietnam War combined. But this same nation has lost over 30 million lives to abortion. More deaths than all those wars put together. World War I, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, Revolutionary War, Civil War. 1,160,000. But to abortion, 30 million lives. When I think about America, I think about a nation which has turned her back on God who made her great and who established this country. Tonight, I want to just give you three little thoughts out of Psalms 33 of how we can turn this thing around and how we can have revival and how we can help save this nation that God created for His glory and His honor. Number one, we need to have righteous adoration. In verses 1 through 3 of this chapter, the Bible says, Rejoice the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. That means you're shouting on credit if you're not right with God. A lot of shouters are not right with God. I'm not against shouting. Shout all you want. Just don't let your shout exceed your walk. Amen? It's not how loud you shout, it's how you walk when you hit the ground. Praise the Lord with the harp. Sing with Him with the pasadre and an instrument of ten strings. We've got more strings than that. But I want to tell you something, friend. Instruments are good to praise God with. And I thank God for the Christ-honored music in this place. Verse 3 says, Singing to Him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise. Now right before he gets to about the blessing on a nation... He says the first thing a nation ought to do is bless Him. You ought to praise God for every breath. And with each breath that God gives you, you ought to worship Him. Amen? You ought to worship Him for His goodness. You ought to worship Him and admire Him and praise Him. Folks, one of the key elements of our nation is that our nation was founded to praise the Lord freely and adore Him without governmental restrictions and congregationalists wanted to dictate and the Catholic Church wanted to dictate to them how they worship and they said we ain't taking this no longer we'll risk our lives to go across the seas and find a nation where we can worship the Lord the righteous adherence is second we ought to have righteous adoration but then we ought to have righteous adherence look at uh, verse 8 the Bible says this, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Folks, I believe we've lost our awe. People are saying, Oh, why do I have to go? Or, Oh, that's too much. Or, Oh, I don't want to have my life totally changed by the Lord or the church or anybody else. And folks, the Bible says in verse 4 through 7, let me back up to 4, it says, The word of the Lord is right. How many believe that? Say Amen. Folks, there's one thing you can count on, and that's God's Word to be right. 
<clears throat> and folks, if we study to show ourselves proof, we'll realize what is right and what is wrong and how to get right and how to stay right. <clears throat> it's just righteousness that exalts the nation. But sin is a reproach to any people, Proverbs 14, 34. Look at verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. Can somebody say amen? I don't believe any of you evolved from a monkey. Where did you come from? Well, you say, well, I came from my mother. Where else did I come from? Well, where did your mother come from? Well, they came from their grandparents. Well, where did the grandparents come from? I'll tell you what, your great-great-grandparents was Adam and Eve. Say amen right there. And friend, I want to tell you something. God created you, Isaiah 43, 7, for His glory. Romans chapter, uh, excuse me, Revelation chapter 4, 11, all things were and are created to please Him. And the only way you can please God, Hebrews eleven six, is by faith. And so if you're not living by faith, you're really living outside the very intended purpose that God created you, that God sustains you, that folks God has saved you for. He's created all things for Him and by Him, and all, by, all, by Him all things consist. Then the next verse says that He might have the what? Preeminence. Verse 18. That don't mean the priority, that means the preeminence. He is Lord. And folks, to the Word of God, we ought to adhere. We ought to respect this Bible. Boy, the Rock of Ages did it again, Brother um, Steve. Me and Brother Chris was listening on the way to visits, and it got me so riled up, I wanted to just keep on knocking on doors, and be bold, and speak out. It was on the martyrs' Bibles. All the Bibles that... Uh, people held in their hand was burned at the stake. Their children burned at the stake. Imprisoned. Naked. Destitute. Homeless. Folks, all for the King James Bible. And folks, we don't even read it half the time. We don't believe it half the time. And we don't attend a church that preaches it half the time. Folks, these people laid their lives down. They gave it all up that we could have the Bible. Tyndale was burnt by slow-burning wood, green wood, and, and, uh, and a couple of his buddies preached that Tyndale Bible, and they got arrested, and they were burned at the stake, and, 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 the, and the green wood was so green, they had to take the Tyndale Bible and, and uh, take it and throw it into the fire, to fuel the fire. And you know what those two martyrs did? One of them in particular, a pastor, he said, give me that Bible. And he preached John chapter 3 to that whole crowd, until God took his last breath as the fat, fatty tissues dripped into the fire and fed the fire, and he was burnt in, uh, in, in, complete, uh, in, in complete decimation, folks. But until his last breath, he preached. The man must have believed the Bible was worth preaching. And God's not called you to die for the Bible. God's called you to live the Bible. Boldly. Not brassly. Daily. Not just on Sunday. And thank God, friend, thank God. That he said the way to be a blessed nation is first of all have righteous adoration and then second of all, righteous adherence. Just obey God. Folks, obedience is not the very best way as the little song says. It's the only way. We need to obey this book because it's His Word. It's God's Word. Stop arguing with it. Stop debating it. Stop watering it down. Stop perverting it, translators. And just believe it. Amen? 
I heard a semi-liberal the other day on radio uh, bring out that um, he knew the NIV wasn't right because the NIV uh, took uh, the last part of the Lord's Prayer out of Matthew 6 completely. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. He said that can't be right because the only reason we pray it ought to be for the glory of God. And the translator said they're going to take the whole phrase out. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. They even took the amen off of it. What kind of prayer is that? But I want to tell you, friend, we need to righteously adhere to the Word of God. And then last but not least, and I'll close with this. Don't pack up yet and don't get your spoons out. But, but there ought to be righteous admiration. Righteous admiration. I want you to look at verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Did you hear me? There ought to be some awe about God. That's why, I'll just be honest with you, this casual, cool Christianity turns my stomach. I believe this place ought to be sanctified. I agree with my good friend, Stenet Blue. Praise God, I saw him... Uh, Thursday, he'd been married 55 years and he was in his place at the camp meeting all day long. 73 years old, I know he was tired because I was tired of just being there. That'll wear you out standing 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 minutes while Brother Sammy raises the offering. Amen, he has to. I mean, they have $35,000 for one week of camp. Praise God, I ain't criticizing it. But boy, I get tired. <laughs> Especially on his feet. And I admire that man. I admire the gentleman named Stenet Blue. I admire him. Some of y'all don't like him because he preaches too blunt. I'll tell you what we need. And we need old-fashioned Christianity. And folks, he said, I don't think you ought to call the building that you worship in an auditorium because nobody's auditioning. You ought to call this place a sanctuary. And I said, well, I'm just not that formal doc. I just, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we're, we're old-fashioned, we're country. Here I am talking to Stenet Blue about being old-fashioned and country. You don't get more country than Resaca, amen? In all due respect, in all due respect, come on now. They like it that way, amen? Amen. Okay. They like it that way. And I honor him, and I respect him. Brother Austin Gardner took 21 students down there Tuesday morning, and he told those students they left, he said, I'm going to tell you one thing. This man named Sammy Allen is the kind of man people write books about. He said that big of prayers answered. Say amen, brother. You went to school down there. But I want to tell you something. Then Brother Stennett said this, and I'm making a point here. You ought to call it a sanctuary because it's sanctified for worship. Set aside. We don't play volleyball in here. And you better not eat homemade ice cream in here. I'll whip you if you're not my grandchildren. No, no. I would never do that. We don't believe in whipping anybody's children. We've tempted, been tempted to. But anyway, <laughs> it's a sanctuary. This is sanctified, thrill-filled and satisfied place to preach and worship the living God. We're not to play church. Say Amen. We're not to come in here and see who can sing the best. Audition for Ted Mack Amateur Hour. We're not here to outdo each other. We're not here to outpreach each other. We're here to worship the living God because He is admirable. We ought to admire God. 
What a lift God up with the pasadri and the horn and the trumpet and, and the decimer and all those other instruments. I don't have a clue what they are. Folks, the Bible says this, we ought to fear God. I believe with all my heart our nation would come back to reality if we started fearing God. The word fear means reverence. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, it's the whole duty of man. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1, 7, it's an evidence of wisdom. I didn't say education. It's wise to fear God. Boys and girls, could I tell you this? The greatest lesson you can ever learn when you're not around mom and daddy and when you're in the dark and when you're out of town and when you're not, you're not near somebody watching you, don't just fear your parents that you'll get called. Fear God. Respect Him enough to keep yourself. Respect, respect Him enough to be pure. Respect Him enough to date those that are. And then wisdom uh, uh, depart, departs from evil. I mean, excuse me, to fear God means depart from evil, Proverbs 3, 7. Wisdom hates pride. I mean, fearing God, I'm sorry I keep saying that. The fear of God prolongeth days. You want to live long? Fear God. You want to shorten your life? Fear the crowd and do what they tell you to do. They'll tell you to jump off, jump off the blooming cliff. Say amen. They'll tell you to fill your mind and body with chemicals so you'll feel good. They'll tell you you're a coup if, you're, if you uh, lose your virginity when you're a teenager. You depart from evil. The Bible says in Proverbs 8, 13 that to fear God is... To hate pride. It humbles you. You fear God, you become humble. Hey, you fear God? Oh, I love this one. It's a refuge for the next generation. I'm glad I had a mama that feared God. I mean, I'm going to tell you something, and if I didn't fear God, she'd beat it in me. No, she wouldn't. <laughs> Sometimes I didn't want to go to church. She said, as long as you live in my house and eat my food, you're going to church, boy. Come on. We'd go to everything, RAs, GAs, work day. He, she drugged me to everything they had. And then sometimes we'd walk to church because we didn't have the car crank because Daddy would wreck it or leave it somewhere that night before. And she, she would lecture me all the way to church and all the way to Sunday school. You're not going to turn out like you bloom it, Daddy. I said, okay, Mom, God bless you. I feared her. I feared her. Feared God more. And she put the fear of God in me. And I thank God for a mama like that. I count her blessed. Yesterday was her birthday. She'd have been 100 years old. Fear of God prolongeth days. Proverbs 10 27. And then I want you to look at one proverb Proverbs 14 27. Proverbs 14 26 and 27. Would you look at that real quick? And then I'll close. I promise you. I ain't going to be long. But I'm not doing it for the recreation. I'm doing it because I want to be right to the point tonight. Psalms, Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 14, please. Don't you love the book of Proverbs? I tell you, I love it. It's such wisdom. You ought to read a proverb a day. Correlate it with the day of the week. There's 31 of them. Amen? You say, well, there's some months only has 30 days. I knew you was going to say that. Well, read, read one twice. God, you're always coming up with something. But anyway, Proverbs chapter... Chapter 14, verse 27, 26. 
It says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and His children shall have a place of refuge. I read a quote today and put it on Facebook about Ronald Reagan telling us about the place of the home and the family in a nation's prosperity. It was, it was profound. It was wonderful. Read it sometime. Look at verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Hey, friend, I'm going to tell you something. Sin will end your life sooner than you think. And sin will short-circuit your life every time and you'll think you're living when you're just existing. Amen? Back me up, parents. It's a fountain of life. It's a refuge for the next generation. And then the fear of the Lord, little is better than a lot. Proverbs 15, 16. And Proverbs 16, 6. Look over there, Proverbs 16, 6. The Bible says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, man depart from evil. How about that? You want to get victory over sin? Fear of the Lord. Now, folks, here's this great psalm on blessed is the nation whose God is Lord. And two times he says, hey, the key... The key is not just righteous adoration and praise, not just righteous adherence, but it's righteous adoration. You fear God, you reverence God, you honor God, you glorify God. That's how this nation started. That's the very reason it started. Proverbs 23, verse 17 through 20 says, If you fear the Lord, you won't have bitter disappointment. In other words, your dreams will come true. Your children will turn out right. The next generation will have a refuge. So after a nation loses its awe, we're in trouble. Folks, we ought to have some respect for God. Say amen. I believe when you come to the house of God, you ought to listen like you're listening about the king. That it's a message from heaven. That the Bible is not just a little lecture from Mark Twain. I never knew Mark Twain. I had to read all his books. It's more than a dictionary. It's more than a manual. It's more than a cookbook. It's more than a recipe book. It's more than a, a, a great motivational speech book on how to make you the best salesman that Shaw ever hired. It's more than that. It's a book of life. It's a book of light. It's a book of the Lord. It's God's Word. And we lose our awe then we'll lose our blush. I want you to look in verse Ezra chapter, and I pray to God I marked it. Ezra chapter 9. Ezra 9. Ezra is right before Nehemiah, and right before Job, and right before Psalms. Just take Psalms and go left. And Ezra 9, verse 6 is a very convicting verse. The Bible says, For we were bondmen. Excuse me, 9, 6. And said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to Thee. My God, for our iniquities are increased over our heads. And our trespasses has grown up unto the heavens. He said, I blush to lift up my face to thee. I believe, honest to goodness, that America's lost its blush. 
Nothing shocks us. We've got used to the darkness, amen. What used to shock us, don't shock us. What used to break our heart, it's just news now. We've lost our blush. Jeremiah said, "We've oh my God, we have lost our blush. Those that rebel against God's word, verse 10 and 11 says this, The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. And the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of the, His heart to all generations. So for verse 10 says that folks, if you rebel against God's word, there's a judgment. I was going to preach this verse and God changed it, but I'm going to read you the verse before I dismiss. Isaiah chapter 60. And I want you to look at verse 12, the funeral service for a nation. Isaiah 60, verse 12. Would you please look at that, please? Isaiah 60, verse 12. This is the Word of God. The Word of God says this, For the nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish. Yea, those nations shall be utterly wasted. How many believe the Word of God? Raise your hand. The Bible says that a nation and kingdom that will not serve thee will perish. That's the funeral. It's over. If we're not careful, some historians are going to be writing as they do, as they've written about the Roman Empire, the rise and fall of the American Empire. It's going to be past tense. Say, God wouldn't do that. Oh, listen, the Bible says, A nation and kingdom that will not serve thee shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly wasted. Folks, I believe we need revival. And I believe it's going to take getting back to the awe and fear of God. Abraham Lincoln said this, and some presidents don't even agree to have this, and it just breaks my heart that anybody would go against this. But somebody gave me this book and it's dangerous they did because there's so many historical events that it's wonderful. But Abraham Lincoln in August, uh, April 30th, 1863, he said this, We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. Amen? God, America. I love it. I love it. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in number, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in our deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Listen to this. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power of God, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and pray for forgiveness and he said, I am pronouncing a national day of prayer and fasting and humiliation 
every year, 1863, day of prayer. Now sometimes it becomes a concert. It comes rally around the pole. He said, praise God, it ought to be humiliation and fasting and prayer and realizing that we've become intoxicated by our own success. That wasn't a preacher. That was a tall president that said that. God give us more people like him. I close with this. And then we'll read verse 12 and we'll go have some good, clean fun. Which way, America? One nation under God. What does that mean? It means that we have this land, this flag, this government as a gift from a great God Almighty. That's what it means. It means that this did not become the land of the free and the home of the brave by blind fate or a happy set of coincidences. But the, but the wise and benevolent God was hover, hovering over us from the very hour of conception and long before. When Columbus discovered this land, he took a cross in his own hands. He planted it upon the new soil, fell upon his knees, and kissing the earth, took possession of this continent for God. I like Christopher Columbus, don't you? Come on, Junior, say amen right back there. I will call on you to sing. Amen. No. Appreciate you waving that flag. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Faith in God hung on the lanterns of the prow of the Mayflower as a charter, the treacherous Atlantic. The frail vessel was laden with deadless destiny. The pioneers of a powerful nation, the heralds of new freedom, the trailblazers of a new epoch of, uh, of human history. But today America faces a new danger point. We must confess with troubled hearts that America has forgotten God. She's rolling in luxuries, reviling in excuses, rollicking in pleasure, revolting in morals, and rottening in sin. What can we expect of a society in which passions are a riderless horse, in which there is desolation of decency, in which love has become a jungle emotion, lust is exalted to lordship, sin elevated to sovereignty, Satan worshiped as a saint, and man magnified above his maker? Today, the, break, the bleak winds of destiny are howling in the protest of the way we're living. It is a sheer folly to suppose that the strength and security of America lies in the vast economic resources, industrial prowess, scientific ingenuity, and diplomatic skill or military might. Our real defense as a nation rests in its spiritual convictions, character and commitment of our citizenry. Our forefathers found the nation upon the Christian faith, and it will live so long as the Lord is our God. The Pilgrim Fathers left a land where they were persecuted to find, listen now, to find a land through countless ages that they would have a right to worship God in their own way. When these strong and stalwart champions of a new order landed at Plymouth Rock, they knelt upon the shores and dedicated this country to God. When the Constitutional Convention met at Philadelphia, it organized the nation and write a constitution, venerable old Benjamin Franklin called on the members of the convention to fall upon their knees and pray for divine wisdom. Today, as, as of old, each of the coins of our pocket bears the inscription, in God we trust. The same principle of dependence upon God is embodied in our national anthem. Here's a verse that sometimes we don't look at. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven rescue land. Praise the power that has made 
and preserved us a nation. Sin separates a nation from God. Sin separates this nation from God. And folks, we, we are not without hope. I agree the picture has a dark background. But I would like to place a crimson cross and a bursting tomb and a glowing sky in the forefront. From the very throne of God, there comes this message to us. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And though they be like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah 1.18 We must return to the, father of our, the faith of our fathers. We must go to our knees in humility and prayer, in contrition and confession, in repentance and the forsaking of sin. We must go back to the old rugged cross where the incarnate Son of God was cursed, condemned, crucified for man, the creature's sin. The crisis is acute. The danger is imminent. Time is running out. Something miraculous must happen in our hearts and the souls of America. Now before it's too late, the choice is clear. It is repent or perish. It's revival or ruin. It's Christ or chaos. The question of the hour is, which way America? Let me read verse 12 and we'll close. Blessed. Let's all read it together. Psalms 33, verse 12. Stay with me. Psalms 33, verse 12. I want you to claim this verse for America. I want you to claim it for your family. I want you to claim it for this preacher. I want you to claim it for your church. Y'all ready? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom He has chosen for His own inheritance. Let's pray. Father, thank You, dear Lord, for there's hope in You. Thank You for Your mercy. And I know Your mercy is not going to rest forever. God, we've already slapped You in the face in these last couple of years in the area of marriage, in the area of humanity, Many things we have said, we've shook our fist at you and said, we're going to have it our way, and we're going to do what we want. As a nation, we've enacted laws to protect the perverted. God help us. And Lord, it's not going good, you know it, because men are having their ways. And there's perversion on every corner. And people are gambling their lives away and walking off in the sunset and leaving their families. There's broken hearts. There's violence that fills our papers every day. And Lord, something's wrong. And I believe anybody that is God-fearing knows what's wrong. You have been left out. You have been legislated to a convenient God, to an emergency ration instead of daily bread. God forgive us that a 22-word prayer honoring you and their parents and their teachers got prayer kicked out of school. I'm ashamed. We've lost our blush. Nothing shocks us. Even the young people are getting used to sin and even publicizing it on their page saying, I'd rather do this than serve God. 
Lord, please forgive us. Please have mercy. Please, dear God, fire us up as Christians to be the salt, to be the light, to be the parents that fear God, to be husband and wives that adore each other, respect each other as we adore and respect you and are filled with your love, your peace, and your significance and your security that you give us that we might minister to our mate. Lord God, we want revival, and we want it for the right reason, I believe. We want you to be glorified in the nation, in the country, in the church, and in the family, and in the human being that you created for your glory. So Lord, please, please, dear God, have mercy. Please, Lord. May we come back to you and crown you as Lord of our life.